For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Hello, welcome back to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. If you are familiar with the really fun (laughs) obstacle caused parenthood that I became very familiar with myself, then this podcast is for you. I'm here to uplift, support, empower, champion anyone going through infertility or any sort of difficult road to bringing home a baby. And I talk to people who have either been through it or who know a lot about it or who just have like amazing ways of understanding how to cope with the things that it makes your mind do. (laughs) And today I'm sharing a great conversation that I've had with Hannah and Lewis Vaughan-Jones and they are both broadcast journalists with the most beautiful speaking voices I've ever heard so you are welcome. These guys have been through 15 rounds of IVF, so they really know their stuff when it comes to the experience of it all. And I want to say now, right at the start of this episode, that they are currently pregnant. And for anyone who might not be in the right headspace to hear about that, then I'm just flagging that up right now. Having said that, you know, this conversation that we had really is about relationships and coping with the impact that going through this kind of thing has. And Hannah and Lewis share their top tips really about what they did to cope with it. And we talk about the staying positive and never give up mentality. And we look at why they can be problematic And I know that can be a bit of a controversial topic, actually, because I know how much the idea of staying positive and never giving up can can bring strength to people. And I did find that out on my last campaign video, actually, as well, which was about the relentless positivity angle. And we talk a little bit about that as well, which I'm, I'm just fascinated by this because I know that there are ways to approach it in a much more balanced way, which can ironically be a far more positive approach but anyway we'll get into all of that so it's really a a fascinating conversation it made me laugh out loud when I listened again to it last night so you're in for a treat I I just want to say as well I mean this last week's been really amazing for me 
That sounds really bad, doesn't it? I'm sorry if it hasn't been amazing for you. I know for a lot of people listening to this, it won't have been. But I just, the only reason why is because it was so brilliant to look at the kind of mega reaction, really, after I released my podcast last week with Al Wright. And to just see all the people downloading and rating and, and, and sharing it. And I just want to say as well, like massive shout out to anyone who did leave me a review because, or a rating, because that, that really does help people to find this stuff. And I'm going to read out one of the reviews that I got and why I'm so passionate about asking people to share it, because I really want this to, to I, I want these conversations to find the people who need them most. So this is from SG Suze. I don't know how to pronounce your, your handle, but I hope this is right. And she said, thank you for covering loss and secondary infertility. This is my world and there's not that much out there. I totally related to every word spoken. Thank you to Elle for articulating my thoughts. So I I just wanted to say thank you for that review and massive appreciation for anyone who has taken the time to listen. Well, let's get on with the sort of juicy heart of this. (laughs) Juicy heart, that doesn't sound right. The, um, the, 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 The meaty... No, no, just, just, let's just get on with sharing the conversation that I've had and let you listen to my, my lovely chat with Hannah and Lewis. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Uh, quite, quite short notice as well. Yeah. Uh, and for such very busy people. Terribly busy. <laughs> we're so busy that it's the middle of the working day and we're both at home. <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, we are very busy. Do you want to just say what your jobs are because I feel like they're so grown up and like oh. I'm a bit slightly intimidated to be honest <laughs> about what you actually do. Um, well we're both broadcast journalists, we're both uh, news anchors so I'm predominantly on CNN um, as uh, a news anchor there and then I also do professional moderation and hosting of global events. And I'm a newsreader for BBC so sometimes on the BBC News Channel but mainly on BBC World News which is the BBC's international news channel um and that's the dog (laughs) on the conversation um no actually i thought that was the postman (laughs) dog's just feeling left out outside um so that's me yeah a a newsreader i was a reporter for years and years and years so always in journalism can you tell me i know it's there's quite a lot to say but can you give a kind of overview of your trying to conceive journey Go on, Han. Um, like, maybe tell me, what's the, can you remember when you decided that you were going to start trying? (laughs) Just before we got Barry John. Um, (laughs) Not true. Um, When did we decide? Um, Before we got engaged, actually, so we got engaged in whatever it was, 2014, and probably before then we'd certainly had the conversation. We'd been together for a couple of years already, and we certainly had a conversation about, I'm going to go and bolt the door. (laughs) Lewis is going to bolt the door shut whilst I carry on. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, however many years ago that is, like 2013 or something like that, we probably started. Um, and then, as most people do, is tried naturally, nothing happened. We had a wedding in between, so that sort of took um, took over quite a lot, uh, focused our minds. And then very, very quickly after we got married, um, we started down the IVF route, knowing full well that we'd already had all the relevant tests and things like that, and knew that um, it was very unlikely that it would happen naturally for us. And just wanted to get cracking. So um, started off with the NHS, as most people do. We only had one round on the NHS. And, um, and just assumed it would work. You know, we just, just thought, yeah, this will, this will be easy. It's a shame we have to do IVF. 
um, but it'll be great and we'll tell everyone about it, friends, family, everyone, once we're, once I'm pregnant and once, um, once it's all good to go. And unfortunately it took another, you know, 14 rounds of treatment afterwards to get to where we are today. Yeah, it's incredible looking back how little we knew going so into naive. it. So naive. So naive, just, just kind of went along with the process guided by the NHS, which is all kind of fragmented anyway because you do different bits in different hospitals. You don't know what questions to ask. You kind of think it will probably work um, and then it doesn't. And yeah, it's just remarkable to me looking back at how little we knew. Mm. Scary. <laughs> if you could say to your then what you know now what would you say <laughs> um save money yeah. save up a lot of money don't fritter it away on um silly things um no i suppose seriously what would i say to myself do your research do find out you you know your body better than most people um and you need to as lewis just said like we didn't know any of the questions to ask or and we didn't know what any of the potential or even obvious downsides and pitfalls were of the whole IVF process so we just you know we felt like every appointment we went to whether it was in a new clinic or just having a follow-up appointment with a doctor we were always Lewis got to the point where he was having to say is there anything else that we haven't heard of yet or that we haven't discussed with you yet I mean please just tell us everything that's available every other bit of research that's out there and you, you constantly feel like you're on the back foot and so I think looking back I started to lose control of the situation very early on because I, I had just assumed it would work because this was this miracle science, which of course it is. Um, and, and then once it was becoming in, in, incrementally more um, difficult and confusing, I, I, I felt like I'd, I'd lost some sort of like control and grip on my reality. So I would tell myself to calm down and do my work. <laughs> yeah, a bit more research. Uh, yeah, I remember that feeling so well of going into a clinic and then, you know, having some explanation about why it couldn't work or what we could try. And yeah, me asking, just tell me what I don't know. I don't ever want to come back into this, you know, and some other treatment is available mm. or some other thing could have gone wrong. And, and absolutely without fail every time. The next time we'd go in and someone would suggest we have this uh, procedure or this test and, and I'd never heard of it before. A calcium ionophore. Yeah, things That like was that. one that came up. And we were like, Is that a ca calcium what? Just that feeling of not knowing and you just feel like you're then taking advantage because every single time, oh yeah, suddenly now it's got to be calcium ionophore or whatever. I was like, well, why haven't I known about this before? Does it actually work? You and then know, most of the time they not. couldn't give you stats saying that, yes, it does work, because obviously everything's like, well, it, you know, there are some, there's some research that shows that it worked in X number of people in this country. And Yeah, just so, a staggering lack of research for all the add-ons, as they're called, mm. all the extras and all the you know, potential things that could help. I was just absolutely flabbergasted that so little research had been done. A, because I was annoyed that it hadn't been done, but B, just from a financial point of view, you know, this is a big booming business. If I was sitting on the other side of the desk, surely there's enough incentive money-wise to go and do the right research to try and work out um, how successful and how useful these things are. But every time we were told things like, oh, the research is inconclusive, the sample is very small. So did you do lots of add-ons? What did you decide? I mean... Well, it was ad that's, well, it was ad hoc which ones we did, which ones we didn't. We went from a position of 
Well, kind of in an abstract, we know that, that they're not really well researched, so we probably won't really do them. And then after it didn't work, probably after about one, uh, we're like, right, well, you know, now let's try and do everything. And we had, um, you know, you kind of have a shopping list in the clinic of things you want, um, whether you want photo, time lapse photos of the, you know, embryo, uh, yeah, embryo glue, embryo glue, endometrial scratch. And we kind of done lots of them at various times. Assisted hatching, that was another assisted one. Assisted hatching. Mm. And, you know, they're, they're each kind of 500 quid, a thousand pounds or whatever that you add and add right at the, at on, the moment. On top of On everything. top of everything you paid for. And you kind of think, right, well, we have to give them a go. They wouldn't offer them if there wasn't the kind of research. And, blah, mm. blah, blah. and then I became, I remember that feeling so resentful that A, that all this money was going and B, there just wasn't the research to back any of it up. That we walked in for one round, round six or whatever it was, and just said we're having nothing, absolutely nothing extra. And we don't even want you to offer it. Yeah, we don't, don't, don't want don't to have any conversations about us, it. Ask us, don't, don't, we're just not doing anything. We've got so resentful, which is obviously crazy, you know. It, no, I think it, that sounds completely normal. <laughs> I think I'd be exactly the same. We were, just like stubbornness to the end, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, highest we, degree. We took it a bit too far, but you know, that <laughs> actually helped us. It made us feel a lot better. I mean, obviously didn't actually result it didn't work. It work. <laughs> but, but it, it gave you a bit of the power, yes, I guess. A bit of exactly. control. So you exactly. feel, because you feel so vulnerable. I mean, from the woman's perspective, obviously, you feel physically vulnerable anyway because of all the injections and the things you're stuffing into various orifices. And then, <laughs> and then but from the man's perspective as well, it's, it, it must be so um, emasculating in a way to suddenly, you know, you're watching your partner have to undergo these horrible treatments and then general anaesthetic essentially for egg collection. And I think it was on one occasion when it, I, I'd just come round from anaesthetic and that's, and I was sort of hobbling up the stairs back into reception with Lewis. And at that point they sort of handed us a sheet and said, would you like all of these things, these extra add-ons? And I mean, in fairness to the clinic, I think they they tried to ask us a different time or something like that. That was you know it was just it before was, we walked yeah, out. It was a mistake from their point of it view, wasn't, but it was yeah. still you know offering us. We're both in the most vulnerable state to try and make a decision about thousands of pounds worth of assisted hatching or whatever it was or glue or whatever it was, which is completely inappropriate. And, and they would they would admit that they they made a mistake there. Mm. But that came that came to represent what we didn't like about. The process, um, even though you know we were liked all our clinics that we've been to, we've liked the people, we've liked the care, we've felt resentful at, at different points about different things. And something that I feel quite strongly is that as the partner that isn't going through the procedures, which is obviously mostly the man, but obviously as a woman, if it's two women, the person who isn't having the stuff done, you don't have much. Of an influence you're not going through the stuff yourself so you cling on to the bits that you can try and influence or control which unfortunately is pretty much just that decision making and the money and I became absolutely transfixed by the money and the amounts of money for a good number of years when it started to build up when we'd gone through a couple of failed rounds which isn't in your nature not at all and you kind of get down sucked down this this kind of dark path of, of resenting absolutely everything. And the, the thing that clicked for me, weirdly, was actually just adding it all up, which seems like the thing you don't want to do. There was early stages, you're the last <laughs> I was thing like, don't do a spreadsheet, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> so I actually did, and we sat down and we did a spreadsheet and we worked out how much, and it was, you know, tens of thousands at that point. 
but that actually just getting it down on paper and getting it out and and seeing it and then saying right well that's it that's done we're never getting that back there's nothing we can do about it we're likely going to spend you know even more and we have doubled it um but just getting it out there and realizing that that is not the important thing and it's mm. not the bad actually really helped for me and i I don't resent it anymore and I don't fixate on it anymore at all. That's a really useful, actually really useful idea to do something like that. I mean, I talk about getting things out all the time, I talk about journaling and talk about writing stuff and just getting it out and that's exactly the same kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Especially really for helps. the partner. I mean, I can't say I had anything really to do with the spreadsheet yeah. other than sort of hand, <laughs> handing over receipts and things like that. Um. <laughs> I think it's interesting you just said that's not in your nature because that's the thing with this process. It's like it brings out parts of you that you really wouldn't have yeah. seen otherwise. Yeah. And you don't recognise as well. You don't recognise it in yourself. You might not recognise it in your partner as well. And it's really scary because, you know, you got together for a reason. And you hope that, you, that you know, I hope that Lewis loved me, loves me for you know, X, Y, and Z, and then suddenly you're like, well, he's having to see these horrible traits of my personality, which I didn't even realise I had myself, and my highest highs and the lowest lows, and and the things that you would, you just, you wouldn't really wish to reveal on anyone because it's it's awful. Um, and the, worst, the worst of that is being, you know, so jealous of friends or strangers getting pregnant. You know, yeah. it's something from the outside. You know, before we started IVF, we would never have. We've always just been naturally happy for everyone and yeah, friends, like, like family. Blah, 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 why wouldn't you be? And killing I, over babies, all of that. Yeah, sort of and I don't think I could. If, if you'd said to me before that, that that you know we would be you know upset by someone else having a baby, I'd say, well, you're talking absolute nonsense. Of course we wouldn't be. That's ridiculous. But by round four or five, and we're right in the depths of it it was really difficult to hear other people's good news, whether we knew them or didn't know them. Mm. And on top of that, then, you feel guilty about being a horrible person. And then on top of that, Hannah felt awful that I had to see, see me being a horrible, being a horrible person. person. Yeah, so this is like not only recognize. have we not had a child, but, you know, you're also married to the stranger. Yes, <laughs> who, um, good point. Yeah, so it's really scary. That leads nicely actually onto relationships which is what I really wanted to speak mm. to you guys about as well because you know it's quite often we hear about relationships which really don't make it through this and um I think it's you know you guys are actually an amazing couple mm. that have got through this despite your pretty high pressure jobs and a lot of travel involved and going through I mean how did you do that What's your well, yeah that's one thing you, we were really lucky about obviously we've never been tested in this way because we've never been through it before and we've had lots of bad luck you know most most you know, IVF couples don't have to go through as many rounds and, and all that kind of stuff as we have so we've had lots of bad luck but the really good piece of luck is that it hasn't it hasn't done anything to dent our relationship at all and we know lots of people where obviously that has happened and it's awful um, but it's been completely the opposite. It hasn't even been a, a kind of chink, really. It's not, you know, we've mm. seen each other be, behave pretty badly and be very upset. And, um, and, you know, it's funny to look back on how hormonal Han would be and how up and down and things like that. I think, but, I think it's also just calling it out for what it is. Like, if I'm behaving badly, Lewis needs to tell me that and not shy away from it and it the the, the reason even might, if you tell me off and shout I, at me yeah, for telling you that but you're you know, being the, unreasonable the, the root cause of my bad behavior is probably because i'm pumped full of hormones and being you know psychotic and having an episode or something <laughs> but um but that doesn't mean i shouldn't be that you know it shouldn't be pointed out to me and similarly if if i felt that you know lewis hasn't 
you know, at times if I thought you're not having the same emotional experience as I'm having to this, or, or I need to know what you're thinking or how you're feeling about it, or we think quite differently in life anyway. Like Lewis is very, very rational and I'm far more emotional, just in response to world events and friends' news and anything really. So it was just really important to communicate with each other and it, like the bad stuff, the, you know, the shit as well as the good. It's just like, you know, you've just, just got to be open with each other about how you're feeling and then hopefully you still love each other at the end. <laughs> but I think that's, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, just calling it out for what it is, that's, that's exactly it, isn't it? Mm. And I find myself doing that with Sai as well. We just always, you know, if I'm being horrible, I say, I know I'm being horrible, I'm sorry I'm being horrible, but I just can't help it because this is what's happening. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's that kind of aware, as long as you can kind of be aware of it and kind of say, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I can't mm, actually yeah. change it right now. Can you just put up with me for, you know, another week or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems to... I, I found I juggling, because obviously, yeah, well, two things. Well, the first interesting thing, which I've always slightly disappointed with, but Han just mentioned it, so I have to go, is that we are massively the gender stereotype role of, oh, you know, terrible. emotional <laughs> woman hoping on crystal stones every now and again, which is totally, oh, total, hear everything about not that total much. nonsense, by the way, total nonsense, uh, <laughs> and, um, and me being rational and, and you know, logical, logical and, and looking at percentages, <laughs> and so we've, we've both been really cross, because, you know, we don't want to be yeah, that, that so boring. St- you know, stereotype, gendered couple, um, but that has been the way that it, it, it kind of worked out inevitably because you know you're having injections and I'm not um and that's the first thing and now I can't remember the second thing I, was <laughs> saying, I, don't know what was, I don't know. I can't that's probably something other dis- else disappointing that I no. I did that you found no. very disappointing me, in my behavior like no. did you try low did you do it did you just do everything what, what wow okay so this is good yeah this is a good question because <laughs> if you would if you told me at the beginning how much stuff I've remembered my other point now. Uh, okay. How much stuff I would have kind of allowed to go on in this madness? I, I would have said absolutely no way <laughs> um, would I have allowed it. So overall, we did very little. But every now and again, um, Han would go off and have a massage or a Reiki. No, session. I did acupuncture. I did a lot of acupuncture. Um, and you had some stones around the house for some oh i did at one point half moons and full moons i was throwing water all over the back door and yeah you do it you do it and and you know and this stuff is total nonsense it's absolute garbage (laughs) but and i was allowed but i was i was in this state where like there was a big big placebo effect in lots of things in life and in ivf especially now because there is a correlation it doesn't mean there's causation all that stuff but that doesn't affect the fact that there is sometimes a correlation between people believing stuff, even though it's not true, gets them into a mental state that's ready and relaxed and then go and do X, Y and Z. So I know this from outside. So I'm in this position where I have to allow a certain amount of garbage craziness <laughs> just to make sure to see if the positive mental state that you get in has any hope without being a facilitator to absolute nonsense mm. and that was the balance that I was constantly trying to and he break. did have to rein me in because I mean I'm not I don't have a sort of a natural propensity to sort of wanting to go off and do Reiki and acupuncture and things like that I'm, no. I'm much more I'm, I'm quite level-headed not to say that people who do acupuncture aren't but I'm I'm much more a kind of a, a doer just get on with it and do it um, which is what which has been my approach to IVF all along it's like if you just keep trying hard enough then eventually it's just going to work because <laughs> I'm working really hard at this um, but I 
I did get sucked in a lot to uh, and swayed by the views of like if you do acupuncture it would be amazing or reflexology or have a massage every now and then all that sort of stuff and I just thought well I've got to try everything so I did sort of try most things at various points and Lewis had to sort of say you know, do you really need to have like I don't know, weekly sessions of this? Because, you know, A, it costs this much and is yeah. it actually making any difference? And so it did, it helped actually for me, just us again, having that conversation about it, being honest about how he felt compared to how I felt. And actually I found that as much as for me with acupuncture, as much as I thoroughly enjoyed all of the sessions that I had, I love those sessions because I got to sleep <laughs> because it was just really relaxing sleep. Yeah. I don't personally think it had any effect on the fertility side but in terms of my mental well-being and how relaxed I felt then great yeah. and that can only be a good thing when it goes forward to if you're just going into a round of treatment or your mid-treatment or something like that so again it's that causation correlation argument and I think we, we come at it from different angles but we we ended up on the same page mm. through talking so mm. interesting I, I I a lot of the stuff I um kind of think is really along those lines that I kind of think well if it's kind of not going to do any harm if it's going to get me into a good state then does it even really matter whether or not it's going to impact mm. on the fertility front kind of thing Lewis Which... is going to carry on talking while I deal with the dog <laughs> yeah yeah, I, yeah that's that's absolutely right that's what I found my kind of the challenge was I resented the feeling of being exploited so kind of untested pseudoscience non-scientific stuff coming in and saying oh if you do this and that's and by the way it costs 150 pounds a session and you need 10 of them uh then i'm hugely you know skeptical and protective over not allowing that exploitation to happen but it's massively important when you're going through any kind of trauma in your life to do a bit of self-care make sure that you're mentally robust and relaxed and feeling positive and actually that it what that thing is can be anything it can be cycling dog walking you know it doesn't it doesn't matter it's essentially a kind of um any technique that you use on yourself to make sure that you don't have stress hormones mm. um coursing through your veins that you're not mentally obsessing about uh trying to get pregnant every single second of the day so it's massively important that you mm. have all those mm. things it's just also important not to pretend that there's a scientific background or evidence to stuff when there isn't and not to feel pressured that you have to do absolutely every all of these things that you wouldn't normally do yeah uh, because oh that's what people are doing and if I don't I really not. resented having a couple of messages from either strangers or from people I know as well some saying you must see this person you mm. must go and see so and so because they did something on my friend Judy and you know she had triplets oh, yes. And it was, it was the way it was worded, and I know that it had every good intention behind it because they were trying to spread help, uh, you know, and advice and be useful. But it was that, well, if I don't then, yeah. am I somehow responsible for my own infertility? Or should I feel guilty about my situation? And it's like you're, you're, you're imposing your view on me without even knowing anything about my situation, or even asking me for that matter about the situation. Well, the, the worst situation I had was in a clinic, and it was oh. by a nurse who was oh, completely yeah. lovely, completely well-meaning, and we had a round of treatment, 
I was I was intralipids or something. Yeah, the saying. immunotherapy treatments, um, which you know, had no no effect at all. There and I no, didn't even need it because all of the results came back as clear. No <laughs> problems at all. It was a total waste of time. But you know, you do it to rule it out. You know, that's how we look at it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the next round, and the nurse said, you know, oh, you're not going to have it this time. Oh, you don't want to. You just want to give it everything, though, don't you? Don't want to. You, you don't want to think what if. You don't want to think what if. And, and, I, and we just looked at each other and we were like, I can't believe that yeah. that's just been said to us. I just in the clinic, yeah. By a professional. But it was a knee-jerk reaction, I suppose. It's just something that just instinctively came to mind for her, and yeah. she thought she was being kind. Yeah. Um, and actually, as it turns out, you know, we left that clinic. <laughs> So this is what this not is, because of that. Not because of that. Not no. because of that. It's so important to kind of call this stuff out as well, you know, mm. and to make sure that people, hopefully there will be nurses listening to this or people working in clinics that have to try and see things a little bit more from the patient's perspective. Yeah. You know, they do have to learn about that and understand that. And, and I found as well a lot of nurses who work in IVF clinics have been IVF patients themselves. So you'd think that it's that's great because they have a much more of an understanding of exactly what's involved um but because you know because it's often worked for them and then they've gone into the fertility sector themselves um so they've got their their children or child um they reflect on what worked for them and so that's the first thing on their mind so they go well, don't, don't you want to try everything because you know my experience was this and you're like i know you're trying to help stop projecting but stop projecting yeah because it's it's just it's adding so much pressure onto me, onto us, uh, onto our hopes and expectations for this round and the, and the responsibility that we have to make it a success. Um, and so that became, yeah, I just, I, I found that particular incident with that nurse like, really difficult and I ended up resenting that a lot. Um, and then I do think that, like you said, there's a problem with people who work in the sector who just, albeit well-meaning, they don't get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. In terms of other comments, um, Obviously, you chose to go really public, which was, I think, amazing because of the unbelievable amount of awareness you must have raised through doing... I mean, you've done loads of TV, you've done radio, you've been in the press. Mm. How did you come to that decision to do that and how was it for you? And mm. what do you, and did you get <laughs> weird was, comments? Like, What was it like? Uh, that was very straightforward. I'm, by <laughs> nature, very private. I wouldn't have talked about it at all. Um, Hannah just got to the point where she wanted to just get something down on paper actually that was the, all it was yeah um, just wanted to write it all down sort of October 2017 I think it was yeah and we'd, when... we'd, so we'd gone through a number of rounds we'd had the pain of going through rounds that hadn't worked we had the additional problem of secrecy and feeling like it was something kind of to be ashamed of or more just actually the frustration and sadness of a distance between us and our friends that mm. some friends knew everything because they lived around us or they're really close other friends who we've had for 20 30 years didn't know anything because they didn't have to live around here or whatever and it was just a kind of having a negative corrosive effect on on our friendships which we hadn't quite fully recognized or dealt with and hannah brilliantly just said i just want to write it down and that's what led then to the article in the times um, which was so, I can say it, but I think it was beautifully written and really raw. And that's why I think it got such a response. And that kind of then opened the floodgates and it made such a difference. You mm. know, it, it really transformed the whole experience for us. It, it made and for go- you, I think, especially. I mean, I was always relatively open with with friends or whatever anyway. And I'm, I'm much more heart and sleeve mm. 
anyway than, than Lewis's. But I think having me sort of talk about it openly meant that men, male friends of yours and just men in general could get in touch with you and say, that's just, that's amazing that you're, you're talking about it now. And to be honest, the, the, the TV shows and things like that that followed on, I mean, we're very fortunate in that our, our careers, our jobs give us a, a, a slight public platform. And so we, you know, I suppose we knew, well, it soon became clear that by, by writing something and putting it out there and it having such an impact, because it does, you know, on the millions of others in the country who are going through something similar, you know, we just were able to elevate the, well, make the, increase the volume slightly on it, I suppose, just because of our jobs. Mm. So that helped. So, and did you have any negative comments under anything that you shared, or was it all positive? Ninety nine. We did BBC Breakfast actually, and then on the on the BBC's sort of um, Facebook page or whatever, when people put comments on, there were a couple of the usual kind of like, mm-hmm. why don't you just adopt? The world's already overpopulated. Oh, yeah, yeah, why are you yeah. adding to it? Yeah. You know, why are you wasting your money? All that yeah. sort of stuff. And I actually, I, I think I only responded once and we were on the train home from Salford at the time or something like that. And I, I think I just responded and said, um, you know, we, we would love to adopt. Um, if you actually look into it, it's not, that, it's not that there are queues of children on, you know, on shopping shelves just waiting to be scooped up. Um, there are, of course, a huge number of, of kids in need of a good home in this country. But it's actually a really complicated process. And you have to be well clear of the IVF process before you even start thinking about the adoption process. Um, and um, and yeah, I, mean, I don't think that I think it was a man. I don't think he responded, but um, but still, I just felt like I needed to at least just to put that out there, yeah. just to respond to that kind of yeah. like just adopt thing, which you know is widely talked about now. It is, and it's it, I mean it's one of the most frustrating things that I hear is that argument that's just a really I think ignorant um, perspective, isn't it? That does need to be called out. I mean, we keep talking about calling things out, but it's mm. it's you know if if you don't respond or if you don't do this publicly then then people are just going to keep thinking the same things aren't they yeah and And I mean as far as I'm concerned with adoption I mean adoption is not the responsibility of the infertile and there are some people who are really would be amazing adoptive parents and some people who just wouldn't and they've got kids you know and it just it just doesn't suit everyone and I still think it probably could really suit us really well down the line and maybe it's something that we'd you know look into again down the line I don't I don't know We've certainly done a lot over the years. We've done quite a lot of research into it, and I just find it really crass when when people make, make those flyaway comments. It's the just relax, just adopt thing. You know, it's like, well, actually, just think before mm. you think what not to say. Think what not to say. <laughs> Who came up with that? Yeah, okay, some some genius. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, let's go through. So the last thing I really wanted to talk about was that kind of emerging into this is. At what point, how how do you decide to move on from IVF or why did you keep going or how do you feel about this never give up mentality? What, mm. what, how, how can we address that? Uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting because we, you know, someone said right at the beginning we would have done, uh, you know, 10 fresh cycles, 15, whatever it is, uh, rounds. I would have just said no way, we, we, won't, we won't have got there. We won't have done that. And we did... Partly because there was never any fundamental diagnosis or reason why, mm. and the suspicion was from quite early on, it's just probably a numbers game. So kind of keep keep going. And we we, we were making progress with every yeah, round. We getting, so there was reason to kind of go again because yeah, yeah we, were, we were lots of rounds early on when embryo, if we didn't get any embryos at all 
past day one or day two and then we were getting a couple to day five. And so yeah, there were signs and reasons to be hopeful. When we started out, round number one, two or three or whatever, you know, you go down this route of wanting obviously your own children and the idea of having genetically not your own children doesn't even register, we wouldn't have even thought about it. And then you end up at the phase, or we certainly did, where you're absolutely over the moon excited about having um, this child through embryo donation, which I always get wrong. I've just D got it wrong don't, again. Just donor conception or double, so, double donor. Double donation. So donor egg and, and donor sperm. And the transfer, the move emotionally to moving towards that and accepting that happened really quickly. We were doing round after round. It wasn't working. We spoke to our doctor and said, we think we're going to do three more rounds. That will take us to 10 fresh rounds and then we want to stop. We want to move on. And our doctor agreed. And once we'd kind of accepted that and then looked at our other options, and one of them being this uh, double donation, donor egg, donor sperm, we became absolutely yeah. over the moon. Just one of my, so excited One of my best friends it. turned around to me and she said, why didn't you do this from the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, that's a really, really good point. But, we, you know, just for us, we wouldn't have got there any earlier. Yeah. It was just right. we had to go through everything before to get to that point. And it was just such an enormous weight off both of our shoulders to go, I'm, I'm excited about this. Oh. We're now into the realms of, like, normality as well, like, in terms of statistics. Like, instead of it being responsibility for your sperm or my eggs, it's suddenly like, yay, it's someone else's. <laughs> yeah. So, so much pressure off. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it just focus back on the fact that you know the uh, the aim here is to have a family. It's not to have yeah. a, a baby. It's to have a family, and this was a way that that we could do it. So if someone had said to us, "Yeah, oh, you, this is what you'll end up being really excited about," even a couple of years ago, that would have made us both really sad. I think. Mm. But the way it works is you just go through the process. You don't have to do very much. You know, once you accept and realise that. Okay, statistically, the chances are not looking good here. What's the priority? Well, yeah. it's to have a family. You emotionally move quite seamlessly. And it's that moving on thing as well, rather than, as you alluded to before, this this idea of the, of never giving up. Um, you know, for us, we were never going to give up on the idea of having a family. That was just a, you know, a red line for us, that we're going to have a family one way or the other. And it was just we needed to move on emotionally from the the original plan the dream and then actually just create a new dream and just as i've said before in other posts and things like that you know the goal is to have a family so you shift the goalposts mm. and do whatever it takes to get there and i, th I think as, as once you get to the point where you can be flexible enough to accept that it's actually really enlightening and and, and empowering as well um and the whole never give up thing i I, I struggle with it um, quite a lot because a lot of people have been in touch with me since saying the amount of rounds that you've done and the amount of treatment that you've done it just goes to show you should never give up mm. and my response to that is if that's helped you in some way then then great then I'm, I'm pleased to be able to give an ounce of hope to someone else but I, I, I wouldn't be a proponent of saying never give up, never give up, give up. Just keep going until you know you're 65 or something like that, because you never know. I think at some point you need to just decide when you need to move on to the next phase, just emotionally for the sake of your own health, for the health of your relationship, for your own future, um, and only you can know when that time comes.
or whether or how to make that decision because everyone's got their own set of circumstances be it biologically or be it financially or whatever it might be um, and for us you know I had I had mentally and Lewis I think as well had we both completely moved on to the next stage in this journey um, and we just ended up getting very very lucky unexpectedly um, which is obviously great and this, yeah we haven't actually talked about this have we um i mean i will do a trigger warning at the beginning just for yeah. anyone listening but you are pregnant yeah yeah it's very weird <laughs> hearing that out loud and then it's very it's even weirder saying it or writing it down or anything like that um to be honest we haven't even really celebrated <laughs> with no, each other yet. it doesn't it feels much too early um i think I've since been told everyone ha- you, you have milestones that you try to get to. So obviously at first you're just trying to get pregnant, and you're trying to, then you're trying to get a heartbeat, then you're trying to get to 12 weeks without miscarrying, and then you're trying to get to 20 weeks. And, um, you know, we're not there yet. Yeah. So there still feels like there's an enormous number of hurdles to get through before we're in any way kind of like plain sailing. And I'm told as well that if you, even if you get to 35 weeks, you might stop worrying about the pregnancy, but then you just start worrying about the birth. Yeah. So there's absolutely no time to relax. No, no. But we, the nice thing is we feel like we're in the normal realms of kind of probability and chance of, of this working. And so that we're still very realistic. You know, there are, you know, sadly, loads of loads of things that can still go wrong and do go wrong every single day right across the country from this stage on. But for us, having spent so many years in a place of where statistics are so stacked against you. you We're know, always tiny, in the 2%. Tiny chances, exactly. <laughs> of a number you want to know. anything <laughs> actually working or happening. You know, for us, it's a real joy just to be in that normal bracket now. So we're not in any way kind of celebrating or, or thinking that it's all going to work. We're just really happy to be in a place where statistically our chances are, are just like most other couples now up and down mm. the country it sounds like you're just very much just in the moment right now and just going yeah. this is great this has happened right yeah. now i also Let's don't see. have a clue what's going on i mean <laughs> i knew everything about fertility by the end of the of the you know that process i knew you know what i could do take do injections with my eyes shut i knew where everything was and when to take everything pregnancy is like a whole <laughs> other ball game Why? i don't know anything I really don't know anything at all. So I feel very, uh, going, going back to feeling really naive and silly again. And, um, but we've had amazing care so far, which I'm hugely mm. grateful for, not just from our, our fertility clinic, but also once we were discharged from there and we sort of go into the realms of the NHS, which can be quite scary when you've you know, been in private care for so long. Um, and the, I mean, the staff yeah, have just been, been, been unbelievable. So I'm really kind. receptive to the fact that we've had such, you know, a struggle just to get to this point, and they've yeah. been really on it and on the ball. And no one taking anything for granted either. Yeah. So it's not like they're already talking about, you know, birthing plans or anything mm. like that. So. That's a really good point, isn't it? You just want to stay here right yeah. now, you know, deal mm. with what's next around the corner, and just take it bit by bit and step yeah. by step. Yeah, and it's that balance, just like anything throughout the whole of the IVF, you know, round after round as well, is that battle of do you try and stay positive or or do you then actually say, right, I'm going to protect myself by being over, not getting excited at all, getting over worried and kind of, you know, pre-sad, you know. Yeah, Lewis said this thing about, there's no point in being sad now. Like, be sad later if it all goes wrong. But like, in the meantime, your only job 
It's just to contain the kind of like the, the chemical reactions going on in your brain and try and stay calm and healthy and, and keep, just... Yeah, keep happy because there's no way you're going to be any... You know, if it all goes wrong, we're going to be really sad and we know that. And there's no way that being sad now is going to have change that. We're not going to be less sad or more sad or anything. Absolutely. So just, you know, other than getting silly and carried away, which we're not really going to... Um, so yeah, trying to not be pre-sad. <laughs> I love it. Mission. I think that's totally <laughs> it though, isn't it? Like people really struggle. It's a whole other conversation actually, and I'm really interested in it. And I want to do more work on it, but this whole stay positive mentality is again, a bit like the never give up thing. Mm. It's kind of this, this, um, this weird thing where people think they've got to be on this certain level oh, and it's impossible. so unhelpful. Yeah, really unhelpful and really, and really not possible. Mm. You know, no, it's not possible. Um, and and just delivering unexpected, you know, expectations of being happy and, and positive all the way through is is, is ridiculous. You've yeah. just got to go with the moment. If you're feeling sad, be sad, and then pick yourself up again. There's no point in trying to force yourself one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, I went through a couple of stages, especially in the early round of not actually the opposite, but the same problem, which is like I'm going to deliberately be downbeat and negative and sad so I don't rec- so I don't raise expectations so, and, and a total waste of time just as much of a waste of time as I'm going to be mega positive yeah. and this is all going to be fine and, and we were always we on were different pro- pages yeah. as well yeah, with that yeah, as we well did, we so you're like up here and you're down I was yeah. like why are you being so negative <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point though actually because actually I've heard that quite a lot mm. within relationships that someone's trying really hard to do this and someone's trying really hard to do this and that causes tension in yeah. itself with, uh, within you know as well as the tension within your your, your own, own body. body yeah exactly you know, it's like tension on top of tension and actually if you just let yourself feel what you want to yeah, feel just go with what you're feeling at that time yeah and it's so much easier it's kinder to yourself and if you feel a bit down feel a bit down and you'll be fine again and then feel happy and mm. it's so simple when you put it like that i know it's annoyingly <laughs> simple like that it's true that, you know it's something I, I really kind of wave my flag about this a lot on instagram and trying to try and just say please feel angry or jealous or bitter or whatever you want well, to feel which is another reason why i when I put that post on Instagram about being pregnant I wanted to start it by saying not sensitive post or something like that because I think when you just put sensitive post it's just that everyone knows oh she's pregnant that's that's already triggery for me yes, yes. for a lot of people it yes. would be the sensitive post the sensitive the trigger. Trigger. Yeah, yeah exactly so I just thought no I'm not going to put that I'm just going to say look can I just start by saying that I know that this will be really, really hard for a lot of people to hear. And even if, I mean, like for, for the most part, I'd say probably 100% of the messages that I got were overwhelmingly positive and happy and all the rest of it, which was gorgeous and lovely to receive. But I also know that perhaps a lot of those people who sent messages are certain people who liked posts or whatever it was. Some people would have found that really, really hard. Not because they wish any ill on me or on Lewis, but because they're deeply, deeply sad for themselves. And that's totally okay. And that's that's what I wanted to say. Like, I'm putting this out there now because I feel like, to be honest, I feel like I have a certain obligation to keep people abreast of what's going on, um, having been so public in the past. Um, And also, I just, I recognise how painful the TTC community can be, whereas it's, it's wonderful that everyone's there to support each other, and I think it's hugely valuable as well. Um, but I think we shouldn't shy away from the fact that human nature is such that, you know, we all feel jealousy and we all feel pain and, and anguish and anger and all of those emotions, and it's okay. Yes. It's just, it's totally fine. Yes. And if you don't want to message me, don't message me. I, and I won't think any less of you or 
anything like that. So um, mm. I just mm. get it. And I suppose it was just important for me to, to say that out loud. And I hope anyone listening to this as well who's kind of thinking, you know, I'm so envious. Why isn't it my turn? Mm. I get it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, guys, I think we've covered everything I wanted to ask you <laughs> in such a lovely, eloquent way because you're so good at talking. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you guys want to add or anything... I'm sure there's something Barry John wants to add. <laughs> yeah, apologies for the dog yeah, knocking on the, the door dog. throughout. The dog, the dog is amazing. Um, the dog, does the dog help you? Did the dog help you? Oh, the dog's helped me. Lewis will take a bite to the dog. This dog. <laughs> no, the me, thing if was, anyone is thinking about, I'm so impressed. If anyone is thinking about getting a dog, don't do it. <laughs> The no. admin, the ad, the life, the admin, the, it's just life admin. <laughs> Dog admin. Who, who, who walks around saying what I need is a bit more boring life admin in my life? I just like more to. Logistics, I'm just going to stop you here. Less spontaneity. Lewis. Who goes around thinking they need that in their life? Lewis has never walked a dog. <laughs> that is not true. Well, maybe we, he's he's true. three and a half, and Lewis has walked him maybe three <laughs> times. Uh, yeah, that's probably right. That's about right, exactly. I love, I love that dog so much, and Lewis does as well. Actually, he just he struggles at times very, to very, articulate that he, love. Good job of hiding it. But the funny thing was, people coming up and thinking they're like Freud and saying, "Oh, it's a baby replacement dog." Like, of course, it's a bloody baby replacement dog. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? I was just like, "Yes, I'm fully You're aware not... of the fact that I'm cradling my dog like a baby <laughs> because I really would like to have a baby. Yeah. I'm aware of that." Yeah, don't think I... you're some genius by coming <laughs> yeah. up and. I'm thinking that or saying that. Um, um, so no, from that point of view, it has been hugely, uh, yeah, massively important for you. It's I mean, been you've really just, important you've just me. loved it, and 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 it's been lovely. For, I mean, I I do hate having a dog, but uh, <laughs> it has also been lovely in uh, in yeah. I can see that kind of it creates a unit, you know, it creates a family like unit, which is which is gorgeous. And it also just from a practical point of view as well walking the dog you know if you're worried about exercise or how much exercise to do or especially when you're going trying to conceive as well um you know walking the dog is actually a really nice gentle way of exercising every day and it's very sociable and so i personally have found it hugely kind of like you know emotionally valuable Mm. having a dog I would highly recommend right, Barry it. John <laughs> Barry John the Cabochon has taken up too much time on this <laughs> podcast he has sorry you know, that's quite the starring role actually hasn't he? he's a star mm. um, thank you so much guys thanks thank for you. coming over thank oh, it's you. a pleasure so nice to, to meet you well I've met you both step fully but mm. now to sit down properly with both of you has been absolutely lovely so oh, that was gorgeous thank, thank you. you so much we've loved it are they or are they not an incredible couple. I find them so inspirational. Thank you again to Hannah and Lewis. If you want to keep up with their journey and their experience, you can find them both on Instagram at H Vaughan Jones and L Vaughan Jones. Last series, I tried to give what I called a life raft tool in every episode, most episodes. And I'm going to try and do something similar with this one, but I, I'm, I'm probably going to pick out little things in the news which I think might be helpful to listen to and I really love this article in the Guardian this week which was by a lady called Charlie Chamberlain and it's called through my reclusive lonely years of infertility playing piano lifted my spirits and I just wanted to read out a couple of the paragraphs I just found them really um, really beautiful actually so she talks about what was going on when she was going through her through her infertility She said, my social life slowly contracted. I avoided drinking with friends because it felt as if it could jeopardise our diminishing chances of getting pregnant. 
I worked in a coffee-fueled environment but resorted to excuses of caffeine-induced tooth grinding to account for my change in drinking, drinking habits. I retreated into what could have been a very destructive place. The choice of pieces I learned reflected my sense of isolation. One day I found myself playing Ralph McTell's Streets of London. The arrangement had beautiful arpeggios that lifted my mood despite the loneliness of the lyrics. It made me realise that I could lose myself in the melodies I was playing, even if the narrative of my life was in a minor key. I'm sure playing the piano positively rewired my brain. I have no natural ability and only play for my own pleasure, but I discovered that finding pleasure was the key to feeling relief. And I just wanted to share that with you because I just really advocate looking for beauty, looking for pleasure, looking for joy looking for anything that connects you to that part of yourself while you're going through that. So thank you for that, Charlie Chamberlain, and thank you to The Guardian for, for publishing it. Next week, I cannot wait to share with you an episode I've been wanting to put together for a while, and I speak to three different single women at three different stages of becoming uh, a solo mum. And what they talk about and, you know, their honesty and their openness and... The journeys that they've all been on are really, really fascinating. I think it's really important listening for anyone, whether or not you're a solo mum. And I think particularly in light of news that has come out this week as well, which I'll share, um, we'll talk about probably next week, about NHS IVF funding being cut in the UK for single women who find they have a medical issue with their fertility. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more as well. So huge thanks again for listening to Fertility Life Rough. Please do subscribe, like, rate, do it all, share, tag me. <laughs> Let's get people talking about this. I'm just on a mission to empower is, is, my, is, my, is my chosen word because I want to give the power back to you. I want, I want you to feel more in control and I want you to know that you're not alone. So let everyone know about this podcast for me. I will also be doing my best to share it far and wide and let me know if you want to share anything, if you want to hear from specific people, whatever it is, just get in touch and let me know. I absolutely love hearing from you. And don't forget to come and find me on social media. I am at this is Alice Rose on all of them, but really most active on Instagram. And you can also email me if you want at alicerosecreative at gmail.com. And there's loads more resources on my website. This is alicerose.com. I'll be back next week. Take care. Fertility Life Raft is a Quidem Productions podcast. Mm-hmm.